refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live Radio. For almost a decade in Australia, we have been having an urgent national conversation about domestic violence. The issue has been thrust repeatedly under the microscope of several major inquiries in an effort to better understand its devastating costs and preventable causes, and as a result, we're more aware of its contours than ever. But despite the intense focus, one group of victims remains poorly understood and rarely discussed. Men. Many experts say this is partly because men don't experience domestic violence as frequently or as severely as women, and when they do, they generally don't fear for their lives. Some weeks, it's hard just to keep track of the number of women killed by husbands or ex-partners, so it's perhaps not surprising if communities don't have the headspace for a much smaller number of victims who are male. Asking what about men then might feel a bit like complaining about a stomach bug to someone with terminal cancer. But that may be part of the problem. Even if women's violence against men causes less harm, it's not harmless. It's violence. Men can be severely affected by physical and psychological abuse and struggle with crippling issues like trauma, PTSD, avoidant behaviours, self-esteem and trust issues, and even physical symptoms. Yet there are rising concerns many male victims in Australia are unable to access crucial support and that some causes of domestic violence may be going unaddressed because of a reluctance to recognise that men can be victims in the first instance and a lack of services if they manage to overcome intense shame and stigma to reach out for help. The New South Wales Department of Justice and Community states there are no official statistics on how many men experience violence and abuse in their relationships, but it could be as many as one in three. Men often don't report abuse by women because they feel embarrassed or think that they won't be believed if they report it. Perpetrators can be a wife, girlfriend or partner, but can also be children, parents, siblings and carers of all genders. It may look like physical assault, slapping, hitting or scratching emotional and psychological abuse, belittling remarks, yelling, screaming, put-downs, being ignored and constant criticism. It may take the form of limiting decision-making, having all decisions related to finances, purchases, lifestyle and living arrangements made for you, or social isolation, being unreasonably restricted from your family or your friends, or dominating behaviour, designed to deliberately frighten, harm or control you, for example, threatening to harm you themselves or someone else. While the New South Wales Government's support package for women fleeing domestic violence is certainly welcomed and necessary, Sonia Hornery asked the question, what about our men? Sonia, welcome to The Juice. Good afternoon. Lovely to have you back again. It's wonderful to have you back again. And I draw attention to some comments that were made last week in regards to this package. I mean, obviously, it's a very important package that's been released by the government for women fleeing domestic violence. But the point that you brought up about our men is certainly valid. And what were your thoughts around that? Yeah, look, it's, um, well, from what we know of, there are no services available to men and, you know, um, I totally welcome and I'd like more money money for funding for women um, fleeing domestic violence because we know that it's needed and uh, we know the stats are hard to really find that are accurate because 
for both women and for women and men, for people in homosexual relationships, um, gay relationships, transsexual relationships, it's not necessarily reported. So it's hard to figure out. But mm. women, when when they do flee, if they do, and they end up in a refuge, there are there may be other services then made available to them. But there are no refuges that I'm aware of for men. So then there's no counselling or other services available to men too. So it's an area, it's, it's, it's a really grey area, but it's something that we really need to look at. Um, even to start with education, how and when do you do that? Um, and of course, then we talk about the, the shame issues for blokes because men who are victims in this regard, who do you report it to and, and how do you feel as a bloke if you are being um, abused by your partner, female partner? It's really difficult for them. It certainly is. And you're exactly right. There is that shame element to it. And good men who would never lash out at a woman have no choice if the woman that they're with is abusive to just take it because to yeah. retaliate goes against their moral code. So, you yeah. know, it is a very difficult situation for good men to be in. And so I have had a look at the services that are available. And I do preface this by saying I do realise that the prevalent cohort that this applies to is women. But when you take into account the emotional abuse, the social isolation, etc., as well as the physical abuse, it's not as rare as what people think. And there really isn't any services that men, specifically men, can reach out and get the help that they need. And there isn't a lot of conversation or education around it either. So it's such an important point that you have brought up that we do need these things for men and we do need the education around how they speak up and what is acceptable and also as people who are around them, how we support them during this time. So I completely agree with what you're saying. And how was that, when you raised that question, how is that received? Are, are people sort of going, oh, yes, didn't think about that. That's maybe something that we need to look at. Or are they just going, oh, it's not the bigger issue, so it doesn't it doesn't take the spotlight? No, I think the, um, the, the first point is a good point because, I, you know, there would be men in the community and even men in parliament that listen to that and, you know, can relate to it like you and other other people who see that, you know, it may well be happening um, because, you know, counselling and support for uh, um, even emotional abuse for men and for women is virtually unavailable and it needs to be. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of this goes into people going, you know, entering relationships and having children and folks are in the same boat as women in that if they are in a an abusive relationship and they have a family and they're responsible people, they may stick in that relationship because they're responsible for the children as well, you know. And so there's all of these awkward and difficult decisions that they need to make because then if they leave, they leave the children too. So um, I think that, you know, we probably need to be able to... Well, Society needs to be educating people a lot more about what relationships and having families mean and about behaviour in general and what's acceptable and what's not. And it's not acceptable for a woman to be violent or emotionally abuse a bloke 
in the same way that it's not acceptable for a bloke either. You're absolutely bang on. And, you know, in terms of education, you hit on such a, a great point. In the Nordic countries, they actually teach things like empathy and that sort of thing in schools as a subject. And uh, I just wonder how different our statistics would be if that was something that Australia embraced. How to have healthy relationships, how to uh, communicate with people, how to show empathy if it's taught at a school level. You know, things like respect and listening to other people's opinions and how to have healthy conflict. I just wonder what a different world we would live in if that was sort of taken on board by our education system. I know that they've got a lot on, but uh, with the reading, writing, arithmetic, I don't doubt that. But it's an interesting take that the Nordic countries uh, have and they struggle to fill their jails because it's taught at such a young age. And can I say, I totally agree with that. And we have so much to learn from Nordic uh, education system, remembering that in many of the, the Nordic cultures, there's no private schools, and so it means that the um, the funding goes is take is sent to or given to all public schools, and they're, they're all public. So there's an equity there that we don't have in Australia. And remembering that if you don't have schools that are religiously based, it means that um, you know you can teach ethics. The, the attempt to teach ethic classes, which was a great idea here, never got really um, a chance to survive because of the backlash from religious groups. That's right. Um, and religion and politics, you know, they don't work well together. We really do need a clear and true separation of state like they do in the Nordic countries with their public schools. And that's why it works. And it's so important. And, you know, um, our curriculum is busy in Australia, but there are things that we can do and change and make better um, and more effective so that we can teach classes about, boys, this is how you behave. Girls, this is how you behave. This is what a relationship means. This is what having children means, the responsibility that goes with all of those things. Yeah. You're absolutely bang on. Jeez, that, that that might have to be the next push. I think uh, looking at looking yep. at that stuff because it is so important. And you know, we do talk about it, it being ingrained from such a young age. These behaviours, and uh, yeah, it would just be a fantastic thing to see. But back to back to this issue. So, what can people do uh, to raise awareness of this issue and to bring it to the forefront? And something that the government looks at in terms of creating those safety nets for men who desperately need that help and the education around getting them to be able to come forward and accept that help. Mm, That's a hard one. Mm. Um, Naturally, even if you report it to the police and, you know, the advice you get is maybe awkward, Mm. at least then it's reported. But certainly, um, you know, we, we deal with state issues, we deal with with education, we deal with police. Report it to your, talk to your local MP about those things, and let's get more MPs writing notices of motion and raising these issues in Parliament, particularly the government members. And then, and then it might catch the ear of the Attorney General, and things might change as well. Um, but you know, I guess 
some of it's just putting the shame aside a little bit and having the courage to say, well, look, I know I feel embarrassed about it, but I'm going to do something about this. That's amazing, Sonia. And I think that uh, for people listening who this hits home for, uh, you might be getting a few letters in your inbox to really bring some attention to this issue because it is so important and it is happening a lot more than people suspect. So I thank you so much for bringing this to the forefront. Your work is amazing. Again, everybody is uh, taking their hats off to you with all of the work that you've done through this pandemic. But I think it's also important to flag all of the other issues that you are pushing to bring to the forefront. And I and I thank you for that. My pleasure. And thank you for having me on again. And I'm sure we will talk again. And um, I think it's this. these conversations are really important. They are, and I thank you so much for your time. Sonia Hornery, MP for Walls End. You're listening to The Juice.